message. Aren't you glad that your help comes from the Lord? We Psalm 21, we lift up our eyes to the hills. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. Would you say that with me? Our help comes from the Lord. Let's say it again. Our help comes from the Lord. Amen. Well, how are you doing? It's a beautiful spring day, isn't it? We've decided due to the weather, we'll have refreshments in the foyer. It's just too hot outside. Uh, not really. We'll uh, be outside, but uh, can you believe this weather, 90 degrees in uh, April? When we were living in Chicago in my first church, I can remember, this was be- actually before I was a pastor, I was going to seminary, and uh, I don't remember the date in April. It was mid-April. It snowed 10 inches one time. That was unusual, but it, folks back in the Midwest are still dealing with uh, spring and winter stuff, so uh, we are very blessed here in Southern California. How many of you can follow instructions? Would you raise your hand if you can follow instructions? About half of you. I'm serious. Uh, I would like to give you some instructions, and uh, I would like to ask you not to cheat, okay? We're in church. God's with us. Can you do this? Uh, It's just for a short time, and ladies, I'm going to... I think you can probably follow instructions better, so you're going to have a little bit harder time. But what I'm going to ask the guys to do, if you're a man, I'd like you to bow your head and close your eyes and cover your eyes. I do not want you looking up here, okay, men? I'm going to wait. Please don't look up here. You can listen, but you can't look. Now, ladies, in just a moment, I'm going to put an image on the screen. I want you to memorize that image. It's only going to be up there for a minute. Guys, you got your eyes closed? Okay, ladies, here we go. Let's put up this image. Don't say anything. I want you to be quiet as you memorize this image. I'm going to give you just a few seconds, okay? Just be thinking about what you see. All right, let's take the image down. And uh, guys, you can look up now. And ladies, I want you to follow the instructions to bow your heads and close your eyes. You know the drill here. And I'm sure you'll do that. So, got your, okay, ladies are in good shape. Now, guys, I want you to look at this image. And I want you to think about... Uh, what you see. Just kind of memorize that. I'll give you a little more time than the ladies. No. Be thinking about this image. What do you see? Now I'm going to ask that image to disappear. We'll take it off. And you all can look up. And we're going to put this image on the screen. And I want you to be thinking about what you see. How many of you see an old woman? Raise your hand if you see an old woman. Okay, so put them up high here. I want to... Okay, several of us do. How many of you see a young woman? Most of us see a young woman. Now, uh, didn't work quite as well as I thought. (laughs) But we'll carry on. Actually, uh, if we had a lot of time, I would do it all over again. You could check this out. But... Uh, these drawings or sketches have been used in classrooms, and what's kind of fun, we won't do it here, but it's kind of fun to b- bring someone up who sees an old woman here and to bring them up, and they can argue the point, this is an old, older lady. And then you have someone come up who says, no, this is a younger lady. And uh, Sherry, why don't you put the older woman up there? The folks just aren't getting it here. 
Um, you see an old lady there? Yeah. Study that. Now let's put, go back to the, uh, not that one. Yeah, there. We'll go back to that one. You, can you see her? It's kind of hard. Uh, I've only seen a young woman here, but then after I was studying this for a while, I can only see an older woman now. But anyhow, it's kind of fun to have people come up and debate the point. This is an older woman or this is a younger woman. And you could actually go up and point out, here's the nose, face, and so forth, and you could decide. Now, I really don't care about older and younger women today. What I care about is I want to talk to you about perceptions. I want to talk to you about paradigms. Now, when I say the word paradigms, I'm not talking about two dimes. I'm talking about the way we view things. A paradigm, and we all have them, is the way you see the world. It's a theory. It's an explanation. It's a perspective. It's a map. And as we view the world, we all view the world through certain lenses. We see certain things. You may see an older or younger woman here. But if we worked for this a while, with this a while, you could be helped to see exactly the opposite of what you see now. You could see an older woman or a younger woman. In other words, you can see both in this image because your paradigms would shift. Your perceptions would shift. Now, in our uh, worship folder today is this outline, and I want to read with you. In fact, if you'll pull that out, let's read our theme. It says Connect 360. That's our theme for the year. What is our verse that supports our theme? Let's read that together. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'd like to begin today with an eye exam. How many of you have ever been for an eye exam? Okay, as we go through this, we're going to talk about what physically can be wrong with your eyes, but more importantly, I'd like to apply this spiritually. So as you go through this, you be the doctor and you judge for yourself, yeah, I think I've got this problem or I've got that problem. Hopefully you don't have them all, but maybe you do. The uh, first word is amblyopia, and amblyopia is what's called medically a lazy eye. Now, to apply that spiritually, if you had spiritual amblyopia, it would be you would have a lazy eye. That is, you may not see the needs around you. I think we have all had lazy eyes at times. We just don't see the need. Another problem that can happen with our eyes is colorblindness. Anybody here that doesn't mind sharing, you would put up your hand and say, I'm colorblind? Probably are somebody. Are you a little bit colorblind, Eddie? A little bit. Probably you've known people who are colorblind, um, and that's the inability to distinguish colors or some colors. Now, colorblindness spiritually would be the inability to see or we are blind to the suffering of others. Dry eye syndrome, inability to produce tears. The question is for us spiritually, are we able to cry at the needs of the world? Now, I don't know if you're an American Idol fan or not. But uh, American Idol this past Wednesday was trying to raise millions. In fact, they did raise tens of millions of dollars to help the world. It's called Idol Gives Back. And if you don't know about American Idol, it's a singing program these kids sing, and it's uh, kind of amazing competition. Anyhow, this was a fundraiser. It was on for a couple hours, and uh, they raised lots of money. Now, as you watched American Idol, the one segment I'm thinking of was Annie Lennox, a favorite singer of mine, was in Africa, I believe, some country. And she was with children whose parents had died of AIDS. And it was a story about this 15-year-old boy raising his siblings. It was heart-moving. I had tears in my eyes at the end of that video with Annie there with these kids that are struggling so mightily. I would suggest if you watch some of the things we see on the news and you never cry, your heart's never touched while you have dry eye syndrome. And you need to ask God to put some tears in your eyes. So you get the idea. 
Now, hyperopia, some of us would have that. That's farsightedness. You cannot see objects well that are near. Um, and some of us see the needs away from here. In fact, lots of churches have kind of been guilty of this. We give a lot to missions in other countries, but we don't care so much about what's happening here at home. That might be uh, hyperopia. The opposite of that is myopia. I have myopia. I'm nearsighted. I can't, without my corrective lenses, I can't see things far away. And uh, some of us care only about what happens in our little corner of the world, but we don't care about what happens elsewhere in the world. That would be myopia. Presbyopia. Sounds like Presbyterians, doesn't it? What is elder eye? Oh, I hate this. Elder eye. Uh, I used to make a lot of fun of my dad because he'd be sitting there reading like this and have some weird half-glasses on because he couldn't see the paper anymore. Now, as you get into your 40s, you get elder eye. Most people have a problem seeing up close after they grow older, and that's called uh, presbyopia. Now, that again would be maybe our compassion for people has grown weak. In fact, today we have a new vocabulary, compassion fatigue. We're just tired of caring about the needs of the world. And perhaps you have elder eye. You, your eyes are weak and you can't see like you used to. And the last one, uh, strabismus, misaligned eyes. Maybe our eyes are focused on worldly things or our eyes are not focused on the things that they should be. Well, this morning I want to talk to you a bit about perceptions. And what I would like to do is I would like to go through some scriptures and I would like to think of this sort of as visiting the eye doctor and you're getting new lenses so that you walk out of the eye doctor's office and, and when your glasses or contact lenses come or the surgery's over, you say, wow, I really see better now. Now, the truth is all of us could see better than we see right now. And probably that's true physically. It's especially true spiritually. And so I want to look at some stories today with the question in mind, kind of, how did Jesus view the world? How did Jesus see things? And uh, might that be helpful to us as we go through the scriptures today? So I want to begin by uh, asking you, how are your eyes? And I want to then listen to some stories that help us to think about how we perceive things how we look at things, and how Jesus saw things, and how Jesus looked at things. So let's look, let's listen to the first story. I want you to, uh, in fact, let me try something. I'm going to say, get it. I'd like to, for you to say, got it, okay? Get it? Got it. That's good. Now, I want you to, to listen, and if you need to close your eyes or kind of get in a dreamy state, that's whatever. But listen to this story and think about perception. All right? Let's listen to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. They came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid hands on him, he asked him, Can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. And he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now, this is a simple little story from the Gospel of Mark, five verses, and it's easy to just blow through this story. 
the ancient church fathers, those are the old guys that first wrote commentaries and studied the church. Jerome said, we need to sit and ponder this story. Stay with it a while. Don't just blow through it. And as you think about this little story, you say, well, it's about a blind man who got healed. True. In fact, this section begins with the healing of this blind man, and the section ends with the healing of another blind man. So there's something going on here about blindness and being able to see. The setting for the story is Bethsaida. Now, Bethsaida is a place of fish. It's a house of fish. And so this village or town is on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and it's a fishing place. In fact, some of the disciples came from here. Matthew, uh, not Matthew, but um, um, James and John, Philip and Andrew, uh, Peter, they all came from this village. They were fishermen. And so there's this idea of the place where the uh, uh, apostles were born to go out and be fishers of men. There's still blindness yet in Bethsaida. Now, one of the things that caught my attention is Jesus is in this town. This blind person is brought to him, of course, to be healed of his blindness. What does Jesus do? Well, it says he takes him outside the village. That's curious. Why not just do it there? And I don't know the answer to that question, why not just do it in the village? But as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, when our perceptions change, and I'm hoping that by the Spirit of God today, we get different eyesight. Our perceptions change. Some of our paradigms change. But when we are in a huge uh, shift, a paradigm shift, usually we have to get out of where we are. It's interesting, Jesus was going to give this man sight, but he took him out of the village, out, away from his normal place of comfort. And again, I'm not sure why that is, but oftentimes when we have a paradigm shift, when we see differently, it's because something big has happened. We've moved out of our village. An example, if you've had children, it's, it's hilarious to me to talk to young parents. They're having their first child, and you know they're thinking. In fact, often they say it, well, we're going to have the baby, and we'll just keep doing what we've always done. <laughs> right? Wrong? Your world is going to be totally changed when that little person comes into your life. It's never going to be the same again. It's a paradigm shift. But you really can't see that till the baby comes, right? And so it's interesting that Jesus takes him outside the village uh, to perform this miracle. But now we come to the weird factor, the wrinkle in the story. Did you catch that? Jesus spits on his fingers and places his hands over the guy's eyes. Now, Ambrose said that's a symbol of baptism. That's a stretch, but you can think about it. Uh, anyhow, he spits on his eyes and touches him, and the man can see. And Jesus says, well, what do you see? And he's kind of, you can view this guy sort of squinting. He says, well, I see white people. They all look the same. No, that's not what he said, but uh, he did say something like that. It was like, I look out and there's uh, people. I guess they're people. Looks like trees walking. Didn't quite work. Now, I wonder about that. Did Jesus, um, was Jesus a little weak that day? Didn't eat a good breakfast, so it didn't work? Or maybe Jesus didn't pray the right prayer. He didn't say enough to God, and so God said, Well, I'm going to help you here, Jesus, but you better pray a little more than that. Or maybe the guy just didn't have enough faith, and Jesus had to kind of kick him and say, You better screw up your faith or this thing's not going to really work. You think any of those are the right answer? Probably not. Probably not. Why on earth did Jesus have to touch this guy twice? And the word see here is used three different times. And the first time, he cannot see clearly. He's healed of his blindness, but he doesn't see very well. 
And I was thinking of the reality. Uh, I don't know that the spit is supposed to symbolize baptism. But in the Scripture, it does say that, uh, the, in 2 Corinthians, it does say that without Jesus, we're blind. You can't see. And it says in 2 Corinthians, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And so there is a sense in which when we come to Christ, our eyes are opened. Now, do you think at the moment of baptism that your eyes are completely opened and you see perfectly as a new believer? I don't think so. Because the reality is, as we walk through the Christian life, and as we know Jesus more and more, our eyes open and we see more clearly and more clearly. So I think actually throughout our Christian experience, we should be gaining the ability to see better. That is to see more like Jesus. So if your perspective has not changed in the last five years as a believer, I think you're probably stuck. You need to go see the eye doctor. You can't see as well as you really ought to be able to see. Because I think throughout our Christian walk, our perspective, our paradigms are going to be changing as we grow to be more like Jesus. So um, let me say to each one of us, I think Jesus is here dealing with this perspectives, and it leads me to the question, and if you'd like to fill in the blank, you can do that now. The question is, do you see plants or do you see people? Do you see cloudy or do you see clear? What do you see when you look out on the world and others? The truth is that the God of this world can blind our minds, and we need Christ to help us to be able to see clearly. So, uh, even in our church, just as even in Bethlehem, there was blindness. Sometimes even in our own lives and even in our own faith community, there can be blindness. And we need to ask the question, am I seeing like Jesus wants me to see? Get it? Got it. Okay, let's look at another scripture. I want you to listen now, and I want you to think carefully about uh, sight. What do you see in this picture or this story? People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. How do you see children? This uh, Today's paper, L.A. Times, the California section, Steve Lopez is writing. It's a follow-up article to an uh, article he had written earlier, and he's a little bit upset. And he's upset about how we see children. And he writes in this article, What happened to the days, it's a question, what happened to the days when public education was not just valued but was seen as a great equalizer in American society, offering a pathway to upward mobility for even the least fortunate students among us. And he goes on to talk about the fact that the governor, because of the tax problem crunch, the lack of revenue in our state, is cutting $4.8 billion from education. $4.8 billion cut in California. Now, listen to me. How do you see children? In the next seven months, we're going to get bombarded with and we've become sick of listening to presidential candidates and all their stuff. But a question we need to be asking ourselves is, how do these candidates see children? What are they going to do for the children of our country and of our world? It's a big question. 
When I grew up, and when most of you grew up here in California, we were the state to envy. We were the education state. We had the best education in the country. What about now? We are at the bottom, way down there. Down there with Mississippi. No offense, Mississippi, but we spend about the least in the country. We're the richest state and spend just about the least on education. And now we're cutting it. How do you see children in our, in our country? So the question is, do you see chaos and expenses and higher taxes, or do you see children with the eyes of Jesus? Do you, what do you see? Uh, how do you see children? Now, it's interesting to think about this because uh, when the disciples saw the children coming to Jesus, it says they spoke sternly to the parents and children. They spoke sternly. But Jesus blessed the children and asked them to come on in and put them on his knee. So I think it's an interesting question that we ask ourselves. How do we see the needy among us? What about the children of illegal immigrants? What about health care and education for them? How do you see that? And the real answer is not what you think or your perception. It's what would Jesus say to those children today? How would Jesus look at these kids here in our country? It's a huge question, isn't it? And it ought to cause us... Uh, to, uh, uh, we ought to be impacted in the way we look. So, what do you see in children? Now, here's another story. In fact, this is one of my favorite stories in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, it's a beautiful story, and I was very tempted just to preach on this passage today. But listen to this story and uh, think about what you see and what you might have seen in this story. Let's listen. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love, but the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. 
But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Question. Do you see a wicked woman or do you see a woman in love? I have to confess that had I been there, had I been Simon, I probably would have been pretty upset. What's she doing in my house? She wasn't invited. She's become the focal point of the whole conversation. What about me? Uh, There are lots of things I might have thought, but I'm not sure I would have thought what Jesus thought or seen what Jesus saw. Church is fun because of the cast of characters in church. Isn't it amazing, the folks that show up in church? It's just, you've got to love it. Or I guess if you don't love it, you're going to loathe it. Uh, Easter Sunday morning. Fabulous day, wasn't it? Eddie broke up a fight downstairs. And uh, I heard a lot about that. I didn't get to witness that, so uh, I had to go. And then there was the lady who was here. She was homeless, and uh, she kicked people. How many of you got kicked? Anybody get kicked here? I know some of you did. My wife did, Joyce. Laurie, by the way, our young adults are at Catalina Island today on a camp out. But Laurie, who's among the young adults, she got kicked. Robert got kicked so hard in the shin it drew blood. And when the lady was confronted about kicking folks, she just denied it. Oh, I would never kick anybody, she said. Uh, but don't you love it at church? I mean, you come here, you might just get kicked out, literally. Um, but I'm very pleased to, to be the pastor of this church. And folks graciously reach out and welcome people like her and others and seek to love them and see them with the eyes of Jesus. But it's interesting, isn't it? What do we see when we see people? How do we perceive people? And this morning, I hope as you walk out of here, you'll think twice about the way you look at people, and you'll just be wrestling with that question. How would Jesus look at this person? What's it about? So uh, I think it's, it's, it's quite intriguing to think about this story and how the folks there saw this woman, and we know very clearly how Jesus saw her. One more story, and I'd like for you to listen again and uh, think about how you see as this story speaks to you. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Question. When you look out at the world, what do you see? Unsolvable problems or urgent opportunities? What do you see when you look at the world? Another story in in the gospel is Jesus coming up on the city of Jerusalem and looking out over and it says he wept. He wept. He wept because he knew what was coming. He wept because people's hearts were rebellious. He wept because he saw the lostness of the world in its desperate need. He wept because he wanted God to touch the world. What do you see when you look out on the world? How do you view it? How do you hear the news? 
I want to conclude with a story. Uh, I'm indebted to Stephen Covey for these pictures of the women that we put up earlier because in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, a very popular book he wrote years ago, uh, he talks about our perceptions. And the reality is we cannot really be great people or great Christians if we don't see like Jesus, if we don't have the heart and the eyes of Jesus. It's not going to happen. Faith in action to you is going to seem like a joke if you don't look out on the world with the eyes of Jesus. Two weeks from today, we're not going to be here. Get it? Okay, get it? Some of you aren't getting it because you're going to show up at 1030 and wonder if the rapture came and be terrified. Um, We're not going to be here because we're going to be out in the community. And my prayer is, as you're in places you've never been before, that you'll see with different eyes the eyes of Jesus. You'll see the opportunities. You'll see chances to bless people. You'll see a chance to be a servant to someone. How will you see, folks, two weeks from today? Uh, In his book, Stephen Covey has a story. You may have heard this story, but it does bear repeating. He's talking about being on a subway train in New York City on a Sunday morning. He said he got on the train. It was quite peaceful. People were reading their newspapers. Some were sitting asleep. Some were just looking out the window. It was very calm. At one of the stops, a man and his several children got on the train, and he said all chaos broke loose. These kids were running up and down the aisles. The man sat down right beside him and seemed to close his eyes and be oblivious to the uh, chaos that was now going on on the train. The kids were bumping into people. They were grabbing newspapers. It was just wildness. And so Stephen said, I sat there trying to be as patient as I could and thinking about what I could do or say. And finally, he leaned over to the man and said, after some time, he turned to him and said, Sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you couldn't control them just a little more. He said the man seemed to look up and open his eyes for the first time and become conscious of what was going on around him. And then he said these words softly. Oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital and their mother died an hour ago. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. I guess they don't know how to handle it either. And Stephen says, instantly his perceptions changed. Immediately his heart was broken for this man. He said, oh, sir, can you talk about it? Is there something I can do? He began to think about how he might help this man and his wild children. What's the difference? It's perception, that's all. It's simply perception, how he sees. And this morning, I want to challenge you. What do you see? What do you think? We grew up in certain homes to think certain ways, and we've been educated in certain ways. But when we come to the truth of Scripture, Jesus is trying to change the way we see the world. And I don't think we're going to be good Samaritans like we talked last Sunday unless we see differently. And so it's a huge question. What do you see? And I think the real question is not WWJD. Are you a little tired of that? What would Jesus do? It's what would Jesus see? W-W-J-S. And this morning I want to ask you, what do you see?